You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com, bringing you the freshest radio in Brooklyn since 2009. Hear directly from chefs to farmers, artists to architects, authors to brewers, and everyone in between. Check out all of our shows on our website or by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. In some of my songs, I have casually mentioned the fact that I like to drink beer. This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow. I like beer. It helps me unwind and sometimes it makes me feel mellow. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Today is Tuesday, July 26, 2011, and I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43. Beer Sessions Radio is sponsored by GreatBrewers.com. To learn more about beer and check your beer IQ, go to GreatBrewers.com. We're also supported by the people at the Good Beer Seal, an association of 34 New York City beer bars. Check out GoodBeerSeal.com. If you have any questions tonight, you can email us at beersessions at gmail.com and to call directly to the studio, 718-497-2128. Well, I've got some special guests tonight. I've got a good friend, Garrett Oliver, the brewer from Brooklyn Brewery and an author and a noted beer expert. And we have DJ Swanson and Greg Dorosky, the brewers from Greenport Harbor Brewing. How are you guys? Welcome to the show. We are feeling good, and your air conditioning is excellent today. Love it. Well, you know, I think they, they, we haven't had Garrett on too much, and uh, we went out of our way to make it a very special studio for you. <laughs> <laughs> Having been here last summer, I appreciate it greatly. Well, it's, it's, uh, I appreciate you stepping up. Garrett, Garrett offered to... Uh, come in and uh, co-host uh, quite a lot this summer, and we're really lucky to have you on. You've got some really cool stuff going on at Broken Brewery. Uh, it's a fun week. We've got, uh, we've got a whole bunch of tanks rolling in right now, and uh, so uh, it's uh, watching the riggers, you know, putting the tanks uh, upright, and we got holes we have to cut in the roof to have cranes flip things over and whatever else. It's like watching, we were talking about putting the space shuttle up or something. Uh, watching the operations as it all happens is fun. And then, of course, I have to figure out exactly how we're going to use all this new stuff. So it's, uh, it's exciting times. So when did you guys know that you were going to be able to expand the brewery? Uh, it wasn't. It was about a year and a half ago. Uh, you know, that, that was an old uh, truck warehouse. Uh, we had wanted it for a long time, and we weren't able to have it. We looked for new space for seven years. Um, and uh, it was uh, uh, a great surprise to us that we, uh, we actually ended up getting space next door, and we could literally knock through a wall and expand into another 16,000 square feet. But we've been boxed up in the same four walls for, you know, for many, many years. We built that brewery in 1996, and we hadn't been able to expand beyond, beyond that. But, you know, before uh, the economic downturn, frankly, you know, you wanted some new space. Well, you know, pay three times what it's worth, and sure, you can have it. Otherwise, forget about it. So it's, uh, you know, it's kind of the way things go, uh, uh, you know, the silver lining, if you like. Well, now it seems that you're turning Brooklyn Brewery into the mecca uh, for for brewers and other beer people from around the world, I've I've seen you with uh, some of the Italian brewers there, uh, uh, Jim Harrison from Thornbridge. I saw you with uh, the guy from Weirman Malts from Germany recently. Well, there have to be some advantages to get it to being old. <laughs> <laughs> so is that what know, it is? Yeah, I think that's kind of what it is. You know, so uh, you know, it's uh, but it's great. But it's are, great. are you the mechanist? Do, do you feel like you're the uh, mechanist? No. Well, you know what? I think that what's fascinating, and I think uh, uh, you know, these guys hopefully see the same thing. If you get out there, um, it used to be when I started brewing back in 1989. When you went, especially you went around the world, you went abroad. And you said, I'm an American brewer. And they would say, oh, yes, I heard of your American beer. And they were openly scornful. you know. And now it's at least a two-way street. Um, and certainly you find that, uh, uh, that American brewing, American craft brewing, is respected in every corner of the world. And there aren't really that many people anymore who don't know what's happening in the United States. You know, we have the most exciting beer culture in the world. Partially because we do include everybody else, 
uh, and we've got our own great stuff going on. So the fact that people now come see us, you know, from all over the place, I think is kind of just indicative of uh, of what's happened uh, with American craft beer. And uh, you know, of course, we're in New York City, so we're we're a nice place to visit. Have you been out to Greenport? Harbor Brewing in I, I have not yet. I was just talking to these guys. Uh, uh, last time I was out in Greenport, which is a very beautiful place, um, but you're about two hours out of the city, uh, uh, they hadn't started yet. So uh, I'm looking forward uh, to my opportunity. Well, Greg and DJ, I like a lot of your beers. Um, I think I'm putting on tonight the Hop Nami beer. Oh, wonderful. We're tap. actually just getting ready to brew that again. It's on the schedule. Yep. Here it comes. So you guys have you have a good story, DJ. You started off as a brewer. You worked in where? New England. I started up in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, uh, Union Station Brewery, which is part of the John Harvard's Brewhouse chain. So I started the in a brew pub. Uh, kind of worked my way around a little bit and uh, took a little side trip through distilling, and then ended up at Greenport Harbor uh, during the planning and construction. And Greg, how did you get into brewing? I actually got involved uh, as a home brewer, I think, uh, as a lot of people are right now, uh, maybe about five years ago, um, just kind of messing around um, at home. Um, kind of funny enough, back in high school, my wife, who I dated at the time, uh, got me a homebrew kit, but I it had kind of always sat around in the basement, kind of in the back of my head about starting it, and one of the things that I think prevented me from jumping in was the cans of extract and all that stuff. Um, so kind of coming back later, I jumped right into all grain brewing, uh, built all of this crazy stuff and, uh, just, you know, started brewing pretty bad beer to start out with and a little bit better beers. Things went on. And, uh, then these guys at Greenport opened up about two years ago and uh, from very early on, I was in there harassing them to let me help them out. And, uh, you know, there was really nothing for me to do uh, early on until uh, it came time to paint the building. And they're like, uh, OK, let's let's see what this guy can do. So I ended up he was also one of the few guys willing to work in uh, within our budget, which at the time was zero. Yeah. OK. <laughs> there, there, there was that too. That went really far. Yeah. Yeah. So. uh Ended up coming by one weekend, painting the building with them, and then started helping DJ out, uh, you know, one or two days a week, uh, helping him, you know, shovel out the mash ton when we were done or mixing the, the mash, um, because everything we have is very, <clears throat> very manual. Um, do, you guys, do you guys have official titles? Um, I mean, Greenport's pretty small, right? Yes. Yeah, How yeah. many guys work in the brewery? Um, we're pretty much it. Yeah. So D- <laughs> I love the fact that you had to think about that for a second. You know, like, let's see, work. How yeah. do you mean work? Well, we, we, you know, there's a lot of guys involved with doing everything that we do, but um, actually involved in the, the physical process of uh, making the beer. Um, it is DJ and I, and now we have some, some interns, too, around, too. Yeah, we have a full-time sales guy we've added a keg washer slash delivery we're here at roberta's and bushwick and they're testing their sound system <laughs> i was wondering whether that was happening just in my headphones or like you know in it might headphones. be their handyman there's a guy over there he's, he's like testing out his I was tools to wonder what was in this beer that was <laughs> <right here. laughs> maybe it's the hop nami <laughs> what is the hop nami anyways hop nami's our double ipa uh you know it's everybody loves hoppy beer so every once in a while it's fun to brew something sort of big and crazy so that one comes back every once in a while. Kind of when when I can squeeze it in, we get it brewed. And uh, the last batch sold out in a day, which made us pretty happy. You know, we sent some here to the city, and then everything else sold out from the brewery on the island that same day. Now, what does the name mean? I mean, the hop part is obvious, but what's the nami part? It's like a tsunami of hops. Ah. Wave <laughs> after wave so of this hop guy. flavor. <laughs> I know you, you, you we're, named we're witty it. too. You didn't, name, you didn't name it this year. You yeah, came up with yeah, that name yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tsunami's yeah. not so cool anymore. Yeah. You know? uh, one of the nice things about that beer, though, is uh, you know there's about seventy pounds of hops per uh, thirty barrel batch, um, but we chose some varieties. Um, you know, there's a lot of glacier in it. There's some warrior and magnum, um, some Columbus to give it some more kind of fruity floral flavors and not that big pine citrus thing, um, which is very nice. Uh, there's also some honey in there as well, which uh, we put it in in the Whirlpool. Um, so it boosts the gravity a little bit, 
um, but gives it kind of a little residual sweetness too, which is nice. I think it's cool having Garrett here with with the guys from Greenport. I mean, what do brewers talk about when they get together? Do you guys geek out over like equipment or? Yeah, I mean, it's good. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, ha- you you have like little subsets in a way. I think there are some people who are fermentation geeks, and there are some people who are equipment geeks. You know, and process geeks, you know, and uh, like I am not an equipment geek. I know my way around equipment. You know, I'm definitely more of a, you know, fermentation tasting geek. <laughs> uh, but uh, people tend to have, you know, so, uh, some people are very broad based. But I, I find that, uh, you know, there tends to be a little bit of a, a little bit of a difference there. You know, there are engineer guys and, you know, and, and flavor guys. You know, one of, one of the favorite beers that you made, Garrett, was um, your collaboration with the, the Schneider people from germany yeah that was good fun you know that was uh i mean you know we we were the first brewery in the united states to do collaborations you know by a fairly long shot we had done a bunch of them before anybody else did and it was a thing for a long time that we kind of hung our hat on you know we were the guys who did collaborations and then you know it's sort of like this hat you know i got a, a straw hat here when i had this hat made like 12 years ago or so uh 15 years ago nobody wore these now you go to williamsburg and everybody's got a straw hat and you say, well, maybe I won't wear the straw hat quite so much anymore. I'll wear something else. So, you know, we don't do right now that many collaborations with breweries. We've tended to do more collaborations with, uh, uh, with chefs and, and with other uh, types of artists. But, I mean, that particular collaboration was fun because it was really an expression of the friendship between me and Hans-Peter Drexler of Schneider Brewery. And so the beer was kind of about... Are hanging out. I mean, that was kind of what the beer was about. I mean, we go, we're on vacation together. My brother teaches his kids how to play guitar, you know, and uh, uh, so it's it's really. I mean, it's one of the beautiful things about beer. You know, it brings people together in a, in a in a special way. And I'll tell you a little story. The first time either I or Hans Peter tasted that beer was on a balcony south of Genoa in Italy. That's the first time either of us tasted it, and it had refermented in the back of his car. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Amazing. Another great collaboration, you uh, worked with the chef Floyd Cardoz. Was it like a year or two ago? In, in your About two years, yeah. What, what beer was that? That was the That was called Cuvée de Cardoz, and there was a, it, it was basically a strong wit beer kind of base, if you like. And then rather than the idea of, uh, uh, of coriander and orange peel, I asked Chef to put together a blend of Indian spices. So he's a real master of spicing. Um, and I'd taken spice cla- spicing classes with him cooking classes so you know i I knew that he'd do something really cool and he had a blend of everything from black pepper to chilies ginger cardamom you know uh tamarind paste toasted coconut which we added post-fermentation like dry hops um and uh the beer was completely fascinating it's one of the more you know uh delicious things that we made and after you know, after a full pint of it, you start to get this glow, like, in your chest from the chilies. <laughs> you know, you didn't really kind of quite notice that it was hot until you'd gotten, you know, a pint down. You're like, well, what's that, you know, what's that glow going on? Uh, you know, great food beer, you know. So, you know, we, we like to use the collaborations to, you know, to explore new things uh, that we didn't know about before. That's great. No, you, you've done some great things. And you guys are getting inspired by hanging out with Garrett? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. <laughs> You lying So if I go in When can I go to the tasting room Because it's, it's definitely It's summertime It's summertime The tasting room is open uh, seven, seven days, days a, week, a week 12 to 6 Greenport North Fork yep. Are you guys pouring beer at that too Or do you have a tasting room too? We have a tasting room staff um, Who pours beer there um, I pop in and out little celebrity yeah. visits. I, I'd like to give you a harder time because I, I, I know your partners. Uh, I don't have a tasting room staff. <laughs> <laughs> well, you still pour your own beers, yeah. but but John, John and Rich, are your partners, those guys are really cool. I mean, they did a great job. Like the, the image and the design of of your label is really cool. Yeah, no, absolutely, and they're you know an integral part of of what we do. You know, and and kind of the the character of the brewery. Yeah, every, you guys are so small, though, strengths, uh, and we all but you're together. you're so small, and you're out there in Greenport. I mean, I would think you would sell all, all your beer out there to, to local bars and, and to, at your tasting room. Why do you guys come into New York City to sell beer? The city is fun. Uh, I'm not a New York guy. I'm, I'm from New England, but I'm growing to really appreciate New York City. Uh, people really seem to want new beers. And as a brewer, we get to, to try new things and, and express things in a new way and the city, not that it's an easy sell, because you still got to be legitimate and be, be good, 
but everybody's looking for a new experience and so it's been really great for us to just roll out different beers into the city all the time and on the island it's not always as easy to try a new beer you know there's always there's certainly places that want it but with the city there's definitely the, the marketplaces there for it and uh i don't know it's a lot of fun to come in and visit the city yeah i think uh just as new york kind of a few years ago was kind of catching up to craft beer and maybe places like philly um, Long Island at this point is kind of catching up to maybe where the city was a few years ago. Um, you know, even though there's some great, great craft beer bars out on the island, I think there's still a lot of bars that are kind of going with the older business model of, uh, you know, however many uh, kegs of bud they can sell or whatever. And, uh, you know, it helps us to have a market so close where we can try exciting beers and new beers and, and the beers that we like to brew. Um and there, there's a receptive audience for them. We're way too small to be low price, high volume. So we have to be uh, high quality and, uh, you know, we do what we do. Amen. I'll tell you what, you know, there are some people out there who are like, well, you know, can't you keep the price of beer down to it's like, well, actually, that's $7 a pint and you should be fairly happy. Yeah. You know, like, do you have any idea how hard we worked, yeah. you know, to, uh, you know, to, to, to make that? You know, people people don't realize quite what uh, what goes into it. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always glad to hear that people are, you know, working on, you know, high, high quality and fairly priced beer. All right. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we have a surprise guest, one of Garrett's friends, here on Beer Sessions Radio. Back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's so great to be here today on Tuesday. I'm Jimmy Carboni. We're here every Tuesday, 5 o'clock. Check out HeritageRadioNetwork.com. There's a lot of great shows from Cheese Farms, you know, State of the Union. And uh, there's even flash talks about money and all these other cool shows. But we're talking about beer, Beer Sessions Radio. Jimmy, are you finally going to raise the debt ceiling? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's Mr. Can anyone say the the name of the... uh, who is he, the Speaker of the House with with a straight face? <laughs> Mr. John, what is his name? Boehner. It's Boehner now. Isn't they changed the pronunciation. Isn't that yeah. Bono who hates Wiener? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Mr. Wiener, we have to give it a proper introduction. Our guest is here. Uh, this guy here, his name is Horst, and his last name is Dornbusch. Very good. And he's a really smart guy. He's worked in beer for a long time. He's a noted writer. And my introduction is as follows. Um, Garrett and Horst have a new book coming out. Don't know anything about it. Horst, please tell us about it. <laughs> Welcome, Horst Thornbush. Well, how much time you got? <laughs> You've got 15 well, I minutes. Well, worked for the four, four as an editor for about 10 years, and you learn to condense things. So let me try a short one. Um, the book is called The Oxford Companion to Beer. It's published by the Oxford University Press, and it's intended as a parallel book to the very successful Oxford Companion to Wine. Um, It's about 900 pages long, has about 
1,135 entries about beer written by 160 beer experts, included, including Garrett Oliver, the editor-in-chief, and myself. Um, horses, and it will come editor. out in September of this year. So how did you get that gig, Garrett? Uh, they, they came to me and asked me, you know, well, we want to, you know, Oxford University Press wants you to put out, you know, uh, the most comprehensive book on beer ever written, every subject covered in depth by experts. And I said, you must be joking. And went, ran, ran quickly in the opposite direction because I, I'm not stupid. You know, I already have a job and it you know, takes up all of my time. And, you know, what kind of person would do such a thing? But then I came to realize that there really wasn't a book, you know, out there, uh, uh, anything like this. It covers really every subject that you can think of, every commercial hop variety and everything about it. I hear you, just in case you're wondering. Uh, Do you have your radio on? You might want to turn it down if you do. I cannot hear you. Uh, can, uh, well, I mean, uh, I, hopefully the, uh, the studio can hear me, so I'll, I'll, keep, uh, I'll keep it going. They'll try to tie Horst in here. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just something that I came around to when my friends told me, you know, you really need to do this because it needs to get done. So four years, and uh, uh, at, at, in the last few months, uh, we brought on Horst, who is a prolific author of uh, many pieces, as an associate editor. And he and I were in the trenches for a few months, you know, getting, uh, getting this stuff ready for publication. So it'll be out in about five weeks. Well, gosh, I've, I've seen Horst's name on Beer Advocate, um, All About Beer. Um, I didn't realize how, how, how prolific a writer he was. Horst is an animal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, no, I mean, one. well, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, and I mean that in only the best way. I mean, uh, you know, we, we we had some things that had to be, you know, really worked on uh, pretty seriously, and, uh, and 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 Horst, besides writing, you know, very well himself, and he's quite, you know, erudite in a number of different areas, uh, would take pieces and sort of chop them down to digestible, you know, chunks for me to edit into uh, into finished pieces, and I think that we worked great, you know, really uh, well together as a team. So, Horst, how did you meet Mr. Garrett Oliver? Well, we have known each other actually for about a decade, I would say, but uh, we had never worked together before. And I have to say, we never had a beer together until March of this year in San Francisco at the Craft Brew Conference, which was after the book had already been put to bed. But uh, I, of course, knew who he was, and I respected him. And I uh, knew that he had been assigned the Oxford Companion because he had asked me to contribute several entries as an author. Uh, In fact, I did about, I guess, uh, several dozen entries uh, by the time uh, he asked me to join the product also as associate editor. And there there are very few people out there who, you know, who who could have done, you know, uh, the sort of stuff that Horace did. You know, with us and, and really helped out on a project this vast, um, and 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 have the guts to take it on because there aren't there aren't many people who could walk away from basically everything they're doing and say I'm going to get down the trenches with you and do this. And I remember telling our our Oxford editor at one point, I said, well, you know, at this point, Horse may be my best friend, or in fact, perhaps he's my only friend. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, uh, it's really surprising that, uh, you know, we did uh, jump into the trenches together, and uh, the book actually became a vortex that uh, almost sucked our life, uh, the life out of us for about four months, and under extremely high stress, I might say, and it's remarkable that uh, given the workload that we uh, chewed through, it's remarkable that we actually never had a disagreement and we remained, we came out of it uh, remaining friends, which I think uh, speaks well for, for Garrett. And the people at Oxford, it's been a fun thing. But I think what, what the book's really about is, is a compendium of basically uh, all knowledge in all areas of beer, which sounds like insane. Which is why there's over you know over a thousands. So if you want to know everything you ever want to know about uh, uh, certain organic compounds, or if you want to know about a hop variety, or you want to know like how dry hopping is done, you know what the differences is between uh, are between uh, dry hopping at this temperature and that temperature, what techniques produce what results, uh, quite exactly what you know how do people do barrel aging, you know where did the British ale house come from, what are its histories from Roman times. 
Uh, well, what kind of beers do they brew in Sri Lanka? Yeah, yeah. I mean, every single <laughs> thing, there. you know, uh, uh, from A to Z, it's basically an encyclopedia. No, so. for, for a long time, the, the main book that I had for beer was the, one of the original Michael Jackson books. And I think it was, the one I had was printed in the 90s. And uh, I never had a book since then that, that really covered all those bases. And hopefully this book will do that. Don't well, think... we don't want to take away anything from Michael Jackson. He was the great pioneer, but as all great pioneers must accept, eventually they have their epigonies, their successors. And I hope that with this book, uh, Garrett and I will have moved beer writing one step further, not beyond Michael Jackson, but more as a parallel development, broadening what he has done and pioneered so well. Oh, the thing that Michael did, he did better than anybody else ever has or probably ever will. Um, and that's why when I did my last book, I decided to tackle a subject completely separate from what he'd really done. So I'm like, well, Michael already did what Michael does. Don't try to do that. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, this is kind of an extension of that. I mean, even in researching this book, I learned the fact, for example, that Michael Jackson actually invented the idea of beer styles. There is no mention in any language of the term beer style before Michael Jackson. Wow. Now, many people went looking. Uh, 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 you know, the whole British Bil- uh, Guild of Beer Writers went looking. And this was kind of a shock to me, given that these days uh, the idea of beer styles is kind of um, standard. I mean, everybody talks about styles to some extent. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, just one more little factoid. Wow. Well, Horace, since I have you on, uh, we're looking forward to it. So it's Oxford Companion to Beer, and it's going to come out in September. Is it Correct. September or October? Yeah, about about Labor Day. Uh, it should be uh, getting uh, yep. getting out there. We'll have uh, books in hand, and uh, you know, it'll be kind of a you know a, a one stop shop for uh, uh, you know for what's going on in the beer world. And you know, what's kind of nice is that the things that that we do as craft brewers. A lot of them are just simply not written down. You know, I mean, me and these guys, we talk the same language. We're out there talking about installations and this and that. But if you went now to read about, you know, well, how do you do barrel aging? How are sour beers made? How, you know, how do you do dry hopping? What, you know, there's nothing. There's nothing. You want to know where the Sriracha Ace hop came from? There's nothing. I mean, a lot of what we do uh, is actually invisible because all of the all the more technical things have been written by and large by people from the big brewers. And they're not interested in dry hopping. Therefore, there are no papers about dry hopping. Um, so, you know, it, it really comes to us as, as craft brewing comes into its own uh, to write the history of our time. Uh, and, you know, I think that with uh, 160 people from 25 uh, countries, uh, experts in every field, you know, I think we've uh, we've done that, and it's going to be kind of cool. It's sort of like the British Constitution, which has never been written <laughs> down. However, uh, there are very well-established practices and parliamentary procedures and all that, and I think uh, we have taken something like the British Constitution one step further, and now everybody uh, can use that as a basis. <laughs> I wish I could do my Liverpudlian accent so I could say, you know, oh, we're bigger than Jesus. <laughs> it's a book that has everything about beer, well, and it's like the British Constitution. Yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. How much more grandiose could we possibly become? But of course, put that's, me down uh, for one. Yeah, that, that yeah, exactly. Well, of course, let's let's bring you back to earth for one minute. Let's. This is what I wanted to say. You got these okay. these these brewers here from a small brewery in New York State. Um. What que- ask them a question that they should know if they read your book, but they haven't. <laughs> oh, that is so, yeah. so cold. Yeah. You know, eh. wow. <laughs> Come on, horse. Go oh for it. My you got DJ God. and Greg Why here. Why is Keller beer called Keller beer as a beer stuff? Say that again. <laughs> Why is Keller beer called Why Keller beer? Why is Keller beer as a beer style called Keller beer? Probably has something to do with the cellar, I would say, from from the, yes. the German, right? Yes, yeah. it's aged but not under pressure in casks in a dark, damp cellar. Sounds just and like my brewery. Served <laughs> gravity port. And for extra credit, if you can pronounce Ungespundet, <laughs> <laughs> very good character, <laughs> can win this dining room set. That means set. I'm fine. <laughs> 
What does ungesprundet mean? That's what Gareth and I were when we were done with this yeah. project. Yeah, it, it, it means the, you know, the, the cork's been left out pretty much, uh, un, unbunged, unhinged in a way. Uh, yes, we were indeed. certainly unhinged. Well, the, the, the beer that you have in front of you, since uh, it's almost gone, uh, shall I tell you about it? Because we should get on to these uh, Greenport beers here. Please do. This is awesome. Uh, this is a beer called, uh, uh, and sorry, Horst, I cannot pour it for you now, but I will send you a bottle. Uh, Very uh, good. Uh, you, you may have had some when you came down a, a couple of weeks ago. Cuvée de la Crochet Rouge. So this is a Bee, version. I've had it. Yes, this is a version of our local one, uh, aged for about six months on wine leaves from our good friends at the Red Hook Winery. Uh, the fields are worked by the uh, cult winemaker Abe Schoener. So it's 100% uh, natural winemaking, meaning no lab yeasts are added. And so we do ferment out uh, our beer with a lab yeast, but then we put it in here with all these other yeasts that come out of the fields uh, uh, that they're working on Long Island. And uh, the beer is uh, aged with, uh, there were two barrels that were from Chardonnay Lees, one barrel aged on Pinot Noir Lees, giving the, the beer kind of a slightly rosé color. Um, and uh, it is uh, distinctly slightly acidic, uh, uh, very funky. Uh, it's got a bit of Brettanomyces, kind of uh, earthy character going on, and I think uh, quite complex. Uh, super dry. You know, it's dried out completely, so there's no residual sugar uh, at all, and it's about 10%. It's a really nice beer. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, I think as we were talking about before, it is really delicate. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not in-your-face, Brett. It's not... Super sour. It's super complex, and that's what I like yeah. about it. I, it's it's uh it's it's very it's very balanced. We served it at at Eleven Madison Park, which is uh you know probably the most feted restaurant in New York City right now. Four four stars and you know uh, uh the Michelin stars, James Beard Awards, everything else. And we served it with, with oysters, and it worked really well. Yeah, I could see that working well. You know, it has the acidity. It, you know it. It's very earthy. You know, I think you get some of that from the Pinot Noir yep. and also uh, from the Brett, and it's, uh, it's nice. It's one of my favorite things we've ever done. It's what we call a ghost bottle, which means that it doesn't really exist. There's only 50 cases, and you have to ha- come have a conversation to have some. Yeah, that, that's great. Well, thank right. you. Well, guess what? Stay on the line, Horst. Uh, we're going to take a I short shall. break. We'll be back in a moment with Greenport Harbor Brewing, Garrett Oliver and Horst Dornbush on Beer Sessions Radio. Summer in the city, back of my neck getting dirt and gritty. Bend down, isn't it a pity? Doesn't seem to be a shadow in the city. All around, people looking half dead, walking on the sidewalk harder than a match. Yeah. But at night, it's a different world. Go out and find a girl. Come on, come on and dance all night. Despite the heat, it'll be alright. And babe, don't you know it's a pity the days can't be like the nights in the summer, in the city, in the summer. In the city. Cool town, meeting in the city. Dressed so fine and looking so pretty. Cool cat, looking for a kitty. Gonna look in every corner of the city. Till I'm wheezing like a bus stop, running up the stairs. Gonna meet you on the rooftop. But at night it's a different world. Go out and find a girl. Come on, come on, if that's all night. Just like the heat, it'll be alright. And babe, don't you know it's a pity the days can't be like the nights in the summer in the city. In the summer, in the city The following is a public service announcement from Heritage Radio Network Every Sunday at 4.30pm, tune in to Burning Down the House Architecture is the laser focus of Burning Down the House A weekly discourse on all things built, destroyed, admired, and despised Each week, Curtis B. Wayne, your host, invites a posse of authors, critics, builders, designers, and other architecture fiends to reflect on various topics related to perhaps the most functional of all art forms. Again, that's every Sunday at 4.30 p.m. on the Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. There's so many great shows on Heritage Radio Network. Just check it out, heritageradionetwork.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by GreatBrewers.com, a comprehensive website aimed at bringing the beer community together. At GreatBrewers.com, it's all about the beers. So we're here with uh, Garrett. 
The guys from Great uh, Greenport, GreatBrewers.com, Greenport here. <laughs> and uh, Horst, uh, we're talking about some cool things. Horst, I want some more questions from you. I sure. expect I expect the best from you, Horst. Come on. Uh, All right. How about questions for Jimmy? Ah, <laughs> the tables turn. You can ask me a question. <laughs> but like, let's pretend that Horace is the call-in guy. He's Jimmy has questions. never buckled under questioning, <laughs> and, you know, and he's been questioned so much. <laughs> Where's a water board when you need one? Exactly. Right? <laughs> Why is it so difficult for um, an American brewery to make a decent continental European lager? Why do lagers have such a seemingly bad rap among many uh, otherwise well-informed beer aficionados in North America? Mm. DJ. We're in too much of a hurry. Yeah. <laughs> Are we? Yeah, yeah, I'd say we're, we're Americans. We're go, go, go. Yeah. We're in too much of a hurry, and uh, I think the same way you find some American chefs go over with the spices or over with... Even something like pork or just do something too, too much. I think to do a, a really nice lager, you need to have a really balanced hand and uh, give it time to do what it's supposed to do. If I say brew house equipment, would that make sense to you in context? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, Horst. I'm, I'm going to come out there with a different opinion. And my opinion is that uh, it has to do with a, a couple of things. Uh, uh, largely, however... Uh, yeast health. You know, when you do a lot of lagers, one thing, I mean, we made a Keller Hellas a few years ago, and it was one of our favorite beers that we ever made. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, we were aiming in the direction of something like Ondex. And sure. uh, you, re- you need really, really healthy yeast. And since most craft brewers are making mostly top fermented ales, the things that, the, the, the things that they're doing fermentations with all the time are the ales. So you, have a f- you, you tend to find that they'll do one lager fermentation. Then the yeast sits around for three or four weeks doing nothing. Then they get it out, and it's like, it's half, uh, 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 it's like half alive. They wake it back up and put it right. through a fermentation. Poor yeast husbandry. That's one thing. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that because the, because, I mean, how many of the German brewers never even repitch any yeast? They use this. They, they'll, they'll get a fresh uh, culture every time. And I that think that if uh, you know, if you if you pitch super healthy yeast and you have a nice uh, clean wort, uh, you know, you can make great lagers. But the thing is, we're just not trying hard enough. I think that's where some of the patience comes in, though, because if, you know, to, to brew a typical ale, you know, you let it sit for 10 days, let's say, and then you can brew something else, harvest the yeast out, pitch it right back in. You're not going to do that with a lager. And I know it's for, not just I understand what you're saying, but it's not just the patience. If you don't have a good steam heated, uh, steam jacketed mash done for a multi-step regimen, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, we've tried this, you can never make a really decent pills, even with the best uh, malts in the world. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I there have, are some pretty done, amazing American pills. Wait, Horace, hold on. By, DJ, what are some of the American pills and lagers that you like, DJ? Uh, and then we'll ask Horace what he likes from Europe. A fresh... Victory Prima Pills is one of the my favorite beers ever. That is one that is Love really it. good. You're correct. Yeah, uh, and uh, uh, you know, I like that too. You know, I like uh, I like Trumer. Um, I've, yes, I've, I've, had, I've, had, I've had a number of good ones across the United States, but there aren't that many that are produced, you know, uh, I'll agree with Horst, that well on a regular basis. Um, I will say, though, that I mean, I've been judging the Great American Beer Festival for 20 years now, and I've often judged the German Pilsner category. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I've watched those beers get better and better. You used to see flaws that were, you know, that were really kind of gaping, diacetyl, you know, buttery flavors and yes, things like that. I, I agree with you. And, and you don't really better. see that much anymore. Yeah. You know, so they're, they're, they're getting better. But I, I have to say that, you know, when you go to Germany, even when you go to some of the bigger brewers like, say, Polaner or, or something sure. like that, and you get a Hellas in the beer garden, you know, there's, there's a point at which you kind of say, damn, you know, this is not bad. I mean, for, for you know, for what they're doing. Horse, right. what, what are a couple Especially, of your oh, horse, ahead, what are a couple of your favorites? <coughs> Just uh, oh, I get that question all the time, <laughs> and my stock answer is I like anything that's really good, and I'm very picky when it comes to that yeah, point. Give us three names. And second, it depends on my mood. Um, when I'm sweating like a pig, uh, as I did last weekend, certainly I'm not looking forward to an imperial stout. 
On the other hand, in the winter, when I'm in front of my fireplace and it's snowing out there, I don't think that the best Helles of pills is going to satisfy me. So what do you, what do you, what was it, when it comes to the Pilsners, though, you know, you're looking at European Pilsner-style beers broadly mm-hmm. across those styles. I mean, what are among your favorite uh, of those? I mean, I'm a big fan of Yever if you can find it fresh, which, you know, uh, yes, you can't lovely. always. But, I mean, if you, if, you, if you get it in good shape, it's pretty damn snappy. Yes, there are. Two, unfortunately, there are so many pills uh, varieties in Germany now uh, that are being hopped with extract, uh, and you can really tell the difference. And it's a deteriorating quality. I think one of the best, the very, very best pale lagers is uh, uh, Augustina Edelstoff. Oh yes, which is aged in casks. And it's still gravity poured, and it's a wonderful beer to have at one of the Augustino pubs, beer halls, I should say, in Munich. It's a, it's an, it's a, a pale lager experience that is almost impossible uh, to surpass. Speaking of pale beer, uh, guys, uh, I'm enjoying this saison. Um, uh, you want to tell us something about this? Well, this is uh, it's a saison with about 20% rye. Um, That's unusual. It's uh, we're an unusual brewery. Yeah, we, we're weird. <laughs> and twenty and, and gummy too. I mean, that's. Yeah. A, I don't mean the beer is. I mean that uh, that can be a tough mash if you're not yeah, careful. Yeah, you know, it was fine. We ran it off a little slow. Um, and this is actually based on a homebrew recipe uh, that I had won the Brooklyn Wart homebrew contest with uh, back two Augusts ago, I guess, and. Uh, we brought so it. You, into you won that competition. That's pretty I, neat. I did. Have you have you been to it, Garrett? The I, ha- I have been there. It's a, it's a pretty cool place. Um, you know, we brought it into the brewery. We changed it up a little bit. Um, added a little flaked wheat instead of a malted wheat, and uh, hmm. you know, it's about twenty eight IBUs, seven and a half percent alcohol. And what does it finish at? Uh, I mean, what, what's the residual sugar? Really, really low. Yeah, it's super, uh, um, very dry. We, we use the Y-Yeast 3711, the, uh, the French Saison yeast. Right. Which... Uh, Chewed all the way down. Takes it all the way down, and then I repitched it when we took 10 gallons away and bottle conditioned. What's, ten, the, uh, what's the strength? Uh, it was 7.5 when we did it, you know... Commercially, I think probably now it's probably about eight-ish. eight-ish yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's super, super dry. I think there's just a, a hint of sulfur in it. Which um, I kind of like. Yeah, you know, I, 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 think... I like it too. Um, and uh, it's nice. Yeah, know? I think it's, uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's fresh, it's earthy. It's dangerous because you know you could. Uh, it's golden and really drinkable, and you kind of feel like you can drink <laughs> yeah. four of them. Yeah. And that might not be a great idea. Yeah, it's when a we, light beer. Yeah. It, is, yeah. it is deceptively light. I would like a refill, please. Yeah. We actually, we actually did the uh, release party uh, at this for this at uh, Jimmy's, and uh, kind of the comments from all of our friends the day after was like, "Help me, I can't get yeah, up." <laughs> what the heck was that that we were drinking? Because so, so you brewed a quaffing velvet hammer. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh my god! So uh, dangerous. Yeah, it, it's it's very dangerous. You know, if you look at it, it's super light, super pale in color. Um, and now, how did you achieve that? I mean, uh, so what are your what, what so are your malts here? It's the base malt is Pilsner malt. There's a little uh, Vienna malt to mm-hmm. give it that. Uh, there, there's just a hint of. Uh, you know that kind of everyone's holding up their yeah, glass. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's it's a full gold. But the reason it's certainly, it's, it's, it's certainly it's, not, not it's not trending into amber. It's at all. amazingly yeah. light. This this beer yeah. looks amazing light, and as they said, it's deceptively light. And nice, then, nice head retention. You, you know, rye is very very light in color, um, and then uh, a little flaked wheat. Well, and you know, I, I, I love smoothness. Most. <laughs> uh, if you keep it uh, at the twenty percent level, it is an almost oily smoothness, but not unpleasant. So yeah, I, I think I, there's a smoothness to it, and then a peppery quality. Y- yeah, there's a peppery quality, which mm-hmm. is both from the uh, the rye and also from the French saison yeast, and then uh, you get this nice earthiness from the rye too, which I, I think is kind of hard to place, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's nice. You know that I love Horst. Yeah. <laughs> the, the reason I have you on the show. Uh, now, now make you sure want me to guess that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, make sure because you pronounce yeah, that why. Horst is Horst is joining in on the tasting notes, 
and he's not even here. <laughs> You'll find that he can do that. Yeah, he, you he, know? he just knows. Uh, you know, the force, um, the force is strong with him. I have a, f- I have a fertile <laughs> imagination, and I have messed around with grain, so if you tell me the grain bill, I can sort of taste it in my mouth. <laughs> well, I, I guess we're all just, like, learning from you, and, and we're looking forward to learning from you, and I have a feeling that over the next couple of months, we're going to talk to you quite a lot more, and hopefully you'll get to make it into the studio when the Oxford Companion to Beer comes out. They or say there will be a party sometime in mid-September, and I plan to come down from Massachusetts to New York. That's one thing. And, of course, you have my phone number. Now you do. <laughs> and so uh, we can always chat uh, at your convenience, sir. Horst, before you go, tell us, uh, are there are a couple of favorite breweries of yours up in uh, Massachusetts where you're living? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on, we have, um, we have listeners in Massachusetts. People would like to know. We, some we, of your we, didn't, we didn't ask you which ones don't you like. We asked you which ones exactly. you do like. I, you noticed I did hesitate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, uh, obviously, my uh, feelings are very subjective. Um, and uh, I may surprise you. First of all, I really do like uh, the Portsmouth Brewery. Uh, about uh, 18 miles north of me in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Uh, my friend Todd Mott is uh, the brewmaster there, and he does absolutely spectacular beers of a huge variety in what is essentially a very simple, quite frankly, very primitive brew system. So that's something I would really point out positively. Uh, I like everything that Dan Paquette, uh, the brewmaster of Pretty Things, makes. Uh, he is an experimental mostly Belgian-inspired brewmaster. Um, there, he hasn't made a beer that I did not like. Um, and uh, it may surprise you, I'm also very fond of Harpoon IPA, even though Harpoon has now become a fairly large brewery. And I also like some of the Sam Adams brews. Uh, you know, we used to think of in the 80s, we used to think of Sam Adams as far out. Now we think it's uh, sort of very standard and ordinary. But the, um, the um, noble pills made with floor-malted malt, which Sam Adams produces as a winter special, in my view, is uh, one of the best beers made in America. Well, you know, when you say and harpoon, I do like the Brooklyn Lager, Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you could taste this, what was the special beer we had tonight? The cuvee, what? Uh, cuvee de la Croche Rouge. Yeah, you, you would have really Which means liked red, that. red Hook. But when I you said had this one, <laughs> Horse. and uh, I think it's a typical example of what American craft brewers can do, and why beer is now, uh, in the public's perception at least, becoming quite comparable to wine at the dinner table. Horace, one last thing. When you said Harpoon IPA, DJ from Greenport kind of like raised his fist. DJ, why did you, why did you acknowledge Harpoon IPA? You like it too? I, I have trouble hearing you because we have a buzz in the line. <clears throat> Say that again. I'm a huge Harpoon IPA fan as a, as a New England guy. You know, I grew up mm-hmm. drinking beer in Boston. That's where... Uh, Used to, we used to go up there and just hit all the breweries in Boston before we'd go to a Red Sox game because that's kind of who sure. I am. And uh, I just I love Harpoon. I know it's not the geekiest beer out there, but I just mm-hmm. we lived in Massachusetts for a while. And that was just the that was the one that was always in the fridge. I just I love it. It is a totally so dependable good. quaffing ale, and it's not too extreme, but it has heft and a presence that stands up to just about anything uh, you have with it, or it stands up to any friend you're with. So I think it's a, it's a perfect baseline quaffing ale, uh, and you need, uh, you need top-quality quaffing beers as well as specialty beers. Well, when I saw DJ walk into you know this Brooklyn place, you know wearing a Red Sox hat, I knew that this guy you know had the uh, you know you know had the cojones that it took to be a, you know to, to to make it as a craft brewer. I'm like, so you 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 you're coming to Brooklyn, right? And you're wearing this Red Sox. Oh, good for you, man. Good for you. Good for you. You know, walk walk out that door over there. No, we'll be right there. Who needs conformity? Yeah. Yo, Tony, tell, t- show him how much we love the Red Sox. <laughs> Is that your Boston accent? <laughs> That's a good one. All right, now we're going to get to serious business here, guys. Uh-oh. July, good beer month is coming to an end with a bang. 
Tonight we're gonna after this we're all gonna go over to Good Beer at Bam, something we created uh, with Edible Manhattan in Brooklyn uh, two years ago. This is the third annual craft beer soiree. There'll be twenty different beers and twenty different foods, and we're all gonna have some fun. That's where we'll eat tonight. We will bypass our usual Roberta's dinner and we'll hit uh, Good Beer at Bam. And uh, Monday night, um, sadly, we have our Ray Dieter Memorial uh, Fund benefit. At DBA Brooklyn, you can buy tickets at com. $20 to get in, $50 to get in and drink. And there'll be a great food from around the city as well. Uh, Rattle and Hum's doing the Big Labruski. Le- you can check that out at com. There's a lot of other events. Uh, wow, what a serious month this has been. We started out with uh, July Good Beer Month. We lost our friend Ray Dieter. All of our friends are rallied, and um, we're heading up to Omegang this weekend. We're going to record a show without Ray, but we'll be there uh, recording some shows that we'll broadcast in August, and you'll hear them. Dave Broderick from Vermont's coming out. We'll have some special guests, Sean Lawson from Lawson's Finest and uh, the brewer from Omegang. But, um, again, please go to goodbrazil.com, buy your tickets for the Ray Dita Memorial uh, Fund benefit. It's Monday at DBA in Brooklyn. And I'd like to thank our sponsors at greatbrewers.com who've helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Beer Sessions Radio is supported by the Good Beer Seal. Thanks to Garrett, DJ, Greg, and Horst for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. Thank you, Horst. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Inslee, Brie O'Connor, and our guest coordinator, Brett Thompson. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. Good night, and thank you! I like to drink beer. This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow. This is behind-the-scenes food news with Katie Kiefer. AMP goes local. The Great Atlantic and Pacific Tea Company, commonly known as the AMP, that grocery chain you've seen all your life, has glommed onto the concept of local and sustainable and has just introduced a new consortium of producers known as the Mid-Atlantic Country Farms, from which they will source beef and poultry. The animals are antibiotic and hormone-free, raised on vegetarian feed. There is no mention of certified humane or animal welfare-approved status, however. Maybe they haven't gotten that far in the marketing department. But what makes this of interest is that AMP supplies all AMP supermarkets, Pathmark, Food Emporium, Waldbaums, and Superfresh. These are not particularly high-end supermarkets, so this is good news for the average consumer. If you want to read more about this, you can go to the AMP website, which is www.apt.com. Dot com slash press room. This has been Behind the Scenes Food News with Katie Kiefer. The following message has been brought to you by the Good Beer Seal. In loving memory of Ray Dieter, we will gather at DBA Brooklyn to continue to celebrate his amazing life. Part of the celebration involves remembering his legacy, and in doing so, we honor his two young sons. All proceeds from the event will go toward a college fund for Ray's beloved boys. Rain check tickets are available for those who would like to participate but cannot attend the benefit in person. The event will take place August 1st, 2011 at DBA Brooklyn from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. For more information and tickets, visit www.goodbeerseal.com.